Hey, family, it's your favorite time, and I hope you're ready because it's going down. If you don't know what down is, that's like Houston terminology for saying down. I guess I'm to say it's going up. What is up, everybody? I hope that you're ready for tonight. Listen, I'm just being obedient. I tried to move on. I was going to do um, zero to 100 real quick, dealing with anger. But God was like, nope, we're not dealing with that. We're going to do familiar spirits part two. So I hope that you guys are ready. I'm blown away by all the feedback. Go ahead and drop a comment in the room. Let me know where you're from. This is your first time, 22nd time, and what the Tribe Me series is doing for you. I feel like I'm a man on a mission tonight, so I kind of want to get straight to work because I have a lot of intel and information to share with you. And I believe it's going to be spiritually nutritious for your life. So if you're ready, I would like to go to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 33. 2 Chronicles chapter 33. I think this is going to be a very good backdrop for what we're talking about on tonight. 2 Chronicles chapter 33, starting at verse 1, it says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 50, he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Like unto the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. And he reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he also built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Listen to this. And he caused his, he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit. And with the wizard, he wrought much in the evil, much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. A clause of concern, a verse of importance takes residence in verse 6. Halfway mark of verse 6, it says, and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley. Father, thank you for this moment. As usual, God, I'm asking for you to use me to be the PA system of heaven, the soundtrack of heaven. Help us recognize, oh Lord, that we're in a war. We're already victorious, but that does not mean the enemy doesn't want to discourage us and to distract us. Anoint my lips, oh God, and we are ready. We are high in, we are, we have a high expectation for what you're going to do on tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees their prayer, would you shout amen? The way you shout is you put all caps in the room. Amen. What do you do when you're on fire due to the flame of your bloodline? What do you do? When you're on fire, due to the flame of what your bloodline caused for you to walk through. And I just felt it was necessary for us to continue the conversation around this thought, around this subject, Familiar Spirits Part 2. I just felt it was necessary for us to continue this dialogue and have this conversation because I believe a lot of us have mislabeled spiritual attacks. A lot of us have mislabeled spiritual attacks as bad misfortune or just trouble. 
There's nothing spiritual about this. It's just, um, you know, life is hard. It's a hard, not life for us. And we just think we're going through all this stuff. We don't think that this is a spiritual attack. We just call it trouble, but it's not just trouble. In fact, the very day that you were born was a declaration banner. The very day that you were born was a declaration banner of trouble for the camp of hell. And we've said this all throughout the Try Me series, and it just bears repeating. You're calling it a birthday, but hell calls it a problem day. You're calling it a birthday, but hell calls it a problem day. Somebody say, I'm a problem. Yeah, I'm a problem to the enemy's camp. You're calling it a birthday, but hell is like, no, a problem was just born. A problem was just born that's going to remove our grip of addiction on the bloodline. That's the problem. A problem was just born that's going to remove and reveal our strategy and our schemes. A problem was just born. And so he's trying to do everything he can to make sure that we never walk into maturity. And I was watching this National Geographic show, and it blew my mind. It showed me that certain snakes strive to eat eagle eggs. They go after eagle eggs, but they don't want to mess with the eagle, though. They don't want to mess with the eagle because eagles eat snakes. Eagles devour snakes. I'm talking about ripping the snake up and eating it while it's alive. I don't want to mess with the eagle, but if I can get the egg, if I can consume it before they hatch, if I could consume it before they ever mature, if I could consume it before their faith ever gets strong, before their back ever gets strong, if I could consume them before they ever use their wings to fly above the storm, if I could consume them before they ever learn how to fly, if I could ever consume them before they break through the shell, emphasis on breakthrough, if I could consume them before they ever break through, I won't have to worry about them later. I won't have to worry about them later, and I believe the enemy, that old serpent, has the same methodology and the same tactic. I want to consume them before they ever mature, because if they mature, they're going to be a problem for me. And I understand the tactic of the enemy, y'all. I understand his strategy. He wants Jerry to think that you have too many problems, and he wants you to think that you have too many problems, but the truth is you're going to cause too many problems. He wants you to think you have too many problems, but the truth is you're going to cause too many problems. And so he doesn't want you to mature because he knows that you're going to cause problems for his camp. But I have a problem. I have a problem. I have a problem and it's bothering me. And as I was studying this, I see a lot of emails and we see a lot of comments. And this is what's bothering me. What bothers me is why is this a famine discussion in the church? Why, why is this a famine? Please hear me. How have you been in church your whole life? Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not talking about people who are new converts, new to the faith, or even coming back to God. I'm not talking about you. But I just want to know how you've been in church your whole life. Like you've been to vacation Bible school, you've been to marriage enrichment, you've been to conferences, you've been to worship workshops, you've been to revivals, you've been to summits. How you've been in church 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and we never have had discussions about deliverance, discussions about the revelation of the kingdom, miracles, and the reality of demons and familiar spirits. Why is this a foreign conversation? Because if we crack open the Bible, isn't that sad to say? 
<laughs> if we crack open the Bible, we will see that Jesus in the Gospels constantly kept dealing with demonics, no, demons. He constantly kept dealing with, dealing with demonic activity. He constantly kept dealing with devils. He constantly was healing. He constantly was healing the sick. He constantly was telling people about the kingdom of God. That was his favorite message. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is that, like, come out of him, come out of her. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, come out, come out. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, come out, come out. He constantly trafficked in deliverance. He trafficked in deliverance, kept on extending miracles, and then he tells us that the same spirit that raised me from the grave... The same spirit that raised me from the grave and greater works than these shall you do. Why are we not talking about this in church? And I wonder, have we reduced the power of God to just some cute, sugar-coated, 25, inspirational, motivational message and you go to church every single week or now you stream just to get your religious high? You stream just to get your religious high, but when you go through behind closed doors, when you're in that apartment alone, when you're in whatever your living arrangements are alone, you're struggling. You're struggling. You're dealing with anxiety. You're dealing with pain. You're dealing with suicidal thoughts, and you're recognizing COVID is the year. I'm thinking like 2020 is just exposing stuff. COVID is exposing a lot of things, and you're recognizing that the place that I was thinking I was getting fed was just giving me hype. Was just giving me hype, but I need some handles. And on tonight, I'm attempting to educate and remind others. If you didn't know it, I want you to know that you are in a war. You are in a war. There is a kingdom of light and there is a kingdom of darkness. And I'm going to go a little bit deeper for a second because I believe the Lord revealed to me some things. There is a war. And if you don't recognize that you're in a war, you're probably already losing rounds. You're in a war and the enemy's trying to do everything he can to make you miss that life. So if you are a worshiper, the enemy is attempting to assign the spirit of fear to your life. Please hear me. If you are a worshiper, the devil is striving to attach the spirit of fear to your life because he never wants you to lift your worship. He never wants you to open your mouth. He never wants you to record that song. He never wants you to do that cover. He never wants you to start that YouTube channel. And if you are a congregational worshiper, meaning you stand on the platform week after week and you are ushering God's people into his presence, And you are telling people, give God praise. And you are invoking the presence of God. He never wants you to recognize your power because your worship is a canon in the spirit. So he tries to get you to be fearful so that you'll never open your mouth. He tries to muzzle your mouth. Because if you're a worshiper, he attempts to send you the spirit of fear. Can I go a little deeper? If you're a worshiper, he also attempts to send you the spirit of perversion. Which is why a lot of choir directors and church musicians, all right, so nobody want to talk. (laughs) A lot of choir directors, I'm not saying all of them, a lot of choir directors and church musicians are engaged in a spirit of perversion lifestyle. Why? Because the devil wants to destroy your image. How do you mess up a man? You damage and destroy his image. Let's go deeper. You and I are made in the image. You and I are made in the image 
and the likeness of God. So he knows you will be the only Bible somebody ever reads. You will be the only Bible somebody ever reads. So if I can get them to view him based off how you live. See, nobody cares about how good your food is. Nobody wants to eat a five-star meal off a trash can lid. So he tries to get you to engage in spirit in sexual perversion because if I keep doing it with this girl and I keep doing it with this guy on the down low, pun intended, and if I keep doing it with them, nobody will receive your oil because they're distracted by your lifestyle. If you're a worshiper, he tries to send you the spirit of perversion. Can we keep going? If you're anointed, I mean you're anointed to preach, you're anointed to sing, you're an anointed, you're anointed to be an author, you're anointed to blog, you're anointed businessman. If you're anointed, the enemy attempts to assign to you the spirit of heaviness. He attempts to assign to you the spirit of heaviness. You won't trust nobody. You don't get close to anybody. You don't really talk to anybody. You are constantly a chef for people, pouring into them. But who poured into you? Constantly a chef. But here's the thing. You were serving people who only wanted a to-go plate. (laughs) And now you feel drained because you kept on extending the straw and allowing people to suck the life out of you. You don't trust people. You don't do people. You know I'm telling the truth because every single time you talk to your mama, you get heavy. It's the spirit of heaviness. Every time you hang up the phone, you feel heavy. When you went on that family reunion trip, you felt heavy. Have you ever felt heavy around your family? Just heavy. At Thanksgiving dinner, you try to hurry up and get your sweet potato pie and go. Because if you stay too long, you begin to feel heavy. It's the spirit of heaviness. And we label it as depression. We label it as anxiety. We label it as stress. And so now we're taking all these antidepressants. Maybe if I just sleep some more. Maybe if I have a vacation. Maybe if I go on a cruise. Maybe if I have a shopping spree. But that's trying to treat a spiritual attack with a natural remedy. And that's not working. So you got the spirit of heaviness. You want to get it off. And you're trying to do all of these things. And you don't know why is this not shaking. Culture calls it feeling some type of way. Or another word is feeling bad vibes, negative energy. You're feeling some type of way and you don't know why. And I came here tonight to let you know it is a spirit of heaviness. And how do you get this off? The word of God tells us clearly in Isaiah 61. I want you to see this. Isaiah 61 verse 3. It says to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the, what does it say? Spirit of heaviness. Oh. So it's not just a vacation. It's not just going shopping. It's not just popping pills. God is saying, if you want to get the spirit of heaviness off you, you got to give me some praise. You got to give me some praise. See, understand this. Worship is thanking God for who he is. Praise is thanking God for what he's done, what he's going to do, and what he's doing. 
Praise is thanking God for what he's done, what he's going to do, and what he's doing. And just in case you don't know what that looks like, it's like this. God, I thank you that I have food in the refrigerator. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that I have my health and my strength. I thank you for that. I thank you that I have warm blood flowing through my veins. I thank you that I have transportation. Rather, if it's a car, a bus, a bike, Uber, me walking, me in a wheelchair and somebody pushing me or me learning how to push myself. I thank you, Lord, for transportation. I thank you that you saved me. I thank you that you died for me. God is saying, you want heaviness off you? Give me some praise. All you got to do is start to have a heart of gratitude because this is what's going to get the pray. This is what's going to get the spirit of heaviness off of you. Praise. That glow hits you different when you're anointed and happy. That glow hits you different. The enemy wants to stop you because you're anointed. And when you're anointed, you break yokes. So the enemy says, if I could break the breaker. Some of y'all missed what I just said. If I could break the breaker, they won't be able to break free others. Anointing breaks yokes. And if I could break them, they won't break any yokes. So we were talking about this familiar spirit. And last week in our foundational text, we were talking about Abraham. And I saw something that messed me up. Y'all ready for this? All we have to do is just keep going in Abraham's bloodline. We discussed in Abraham chapter 20, we see this spirit of deception. In Genesis chapter 20, Abraham is lying about his wife. (laughs) And then in Genesis chapter 26, we see his son Isaac lying about his wife. And then in Genesis chapter 27, we see his son Jacob lying to his daddy. What do we have here? A bloodline system. A familiar spirit of deception. And as I began to keep reading this, I was kind of tripping because I saw that Isaac married Rebekah. Okay? Isaac married Rebekah. Rebekah married Isaac, and Isaac had a familiar spirit of deception. Say it again. Isaac married Rebekah. Rebekah married Isaac, and Isaac had a familiar spirit of deception. See, this is why you got to be careful with who you marry. This is why you got to be careful with who you marry and who you do relationship and who you do life with. Because relationships are travel documents for familiar spirits. Did y'all hear what I just said? Relationships are travel documents for familiar spirits. And what I'm about to show you in this text is Rebecca is dealing with the same type of deception. So it's like uh, familiar spirits don't just get passed down. They also get transferred. Familiar spirits hover horizontally, and they also hover vertically. You got to be careful because it's not just your family, but it's who you allow to become your family. See, have you ever been drawn to somebody? You don't know why. Like you're just feeling them, and you don't know why. Could it be they have a familiar spirit, and you have a familiar spirit, and spirits attract I'll go a little deeper. This is why you can be with somebody who's toxic, somebody who's bad for you, somebody that y'all keep on yelling, y'all keep on arguing, but you have great sex. You know why? Because there's a spirit of perversion on him, and there's a spirit of perversion on you, and they are drawn to each other, and y'all form a bond which becomes bondage. If you break up the word bondage, you get bond and age. This is a bond that the enemy hopes is going to last for ages. 
God, I hope y'all are getting this. It is a spirit of perversion. And the only reason you're feeling them is because y'all spirits attract. Let's go even deeper. I begin to break down the word familiar. Familiar in the Greek is familius. You know what it means? Household servant. This messed me up, y'all. This messed me up. It means household servant. There's something in this household that serves the agenda of the enemy. There is something that's holding this house. And every time I walk in the house, I feel like something's trying to hold me. I hope y'all are getting this. This is so good. This is why I understand now why the enemy kept telling our ancestors and generation before us what goes on in this house stays in this house because there is a household servant and there's something holding this house. And if nobody's talking about it, can no deliverance come in? Can no freedom come in? Can no chain breaker come in? Because we're not talking about this familiar spirit. There's something holding this house. Look, let's check this out. Um, in Genesis 27, verse 5, it says, Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah said to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to this. Therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kid of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Somebody say deception. Then... You shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said, listen to this, y'all, let your curse be on me. My son, obey my voice and go. Get them for me. How in the world? How in the world? Abraham lied to his wife, then Isaac marries Rebekah. And Rebekah now also is in the field of trafficking in deception. Are y'all seeing how this familiar spirit is just hovering over this whole family? I'm like, we need to talk about STDs more. We really do. Spiritual transfer devils. <laughs> That's what we need to talk about more. Spiritually transferred devils. How in the world is she trafficking in this level of deception? And I could go deeper because usually every time in the Bible when you see a goat, it's always in the form of fake. In Matthew 25, God says, okay, in the end, Jesus will separate the goats from the sheep. The sheep will go on the right hand and the goats will go on the left hand because the goats are the fake ones. And she said, you go get a goat and you put some of the hair on you. And if your father finds out, let your curse be upon me. Spirit of deception. We're going to keep going. Let's hop to Genesis 29. Genesis 29, verse 15. Look at this. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative. Somebody say, uh-oh. 
That should have been a sign right there. Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you for seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. She had to be fine. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of that place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Rachel. Is that what your Bible says? Is that what your Bible says? He took Rachel? No. He took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. So now we're seeing that his uncle, (laughs) his uncle is dealing with the same familiar spirit of deception. It starts with Abraham. Then it goes to Isaac. Then Isaac marries Rebekah. Then Rebekah tells her son, hey, this is what I want you to do. And then Jacob deceives his father. And then Jacob goes to his uncle Laban. Laban is Abraham's older brother. He works for him for seven years to get Rachel, ends up getting Leah. There is this spirit of deception we are seeing in the bloodline. I'm guessing right here there's probably a whole century. A century of a familiar spirit and everybody under this bloodline is dealing with it. And the reason I just feel it's so necessary for us to continue this conversation is because like we stated the last time we came together, there was power in recognition. There was power in recognizing a thing because when you could recognize it, you could trace it. Thieves usually don't come before you without a mask. They wear a mask because I don't want you to recognize me because if you could recognize me, you could trace me. And all I'm attempting to do is to get us to a place where we stop dismissing things and stop trying to do things on a natural remedy, which is really a spiritual problem. I want you to be able to see what is going on in my family. Notice how we struggle with alcohol. Notice how we struggle with adultery notice how we struggle with divorce notice how we struggle with certain things because if you don't recognize it you won't be able to trace it and if you can't trace it you won't have the revelation to be free from it God wants us free from it and I believe this is why every single time you step in the direction of your deliverance the enemy is always right there because the enemy is always in the front lawn of your deliverance He's always in the front line of your deliverance, never wanting you to take the steps up the door and walk into what would make you free. Can we go deeper? All right, let's look at this. Acts chapter 16. I'm giving you a lot of Bible to set this up. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It says, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. We're going to break that down in a minute. A spirit of divination met us. Who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when the master saw that their hope 
of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. I'm telling you, some people don't like the free version of you. They only like you when you're bound. They only like you when you don't know who you are. They only like when you're confused. Look at this. How in the world is this slave girl walking behind Paul and Silas, and she's actually telling the truth? Listen to them. These are men of the most high. But she had a spirit of divination. If you break the spirit of divination down, it is the spirit of the python. Wow. The spirit of the python. The spirit of divination in the Greek literally means the spirit of the python. I shared this at the beginning of the year. I'm going to share it one more time. I don't believe it is a coincidence that the devil is referred to as that old serpent. I want you to consider two types of snakes, a viper and a python. The object of a viper, the way it puts poison on you is it strikes you and it puts something in your bloodline. It puts, the, it puts its venom in your bloodline. So there's something in my bloodline that's slowly and surely killing me. Pythons don't kill like that, though. Pythons attach themselves to you, wrap themselves around you, and every time you breathe, they constrict. Every single time if a python has a rabbit, every single time the rabbit breathes, it constricts. It breathes again, it constricts. It breathes again, it constricts. It doesn't breathe, it doesn't constrict. The more you breathe, it wants to make sure you'll never go back to that place of oxygen ever again. God said, let there be light. There's light. He said, let there be firmness and vegetation. There's firmness and vegetation. But when it came to you and I, he said, let us, speaking of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then he breathed. He breathed the breath of life on the inside of us. What is that python after? The breath. The python is after that God-given nature, that God-given sweet spot, that gift, that calling, that assignment. Whatever it is that God has put you here on the earth to become and do, that's what the python is after. And I begin to study this text, and I'm like, why would this woman be walking behind them for days saying, listen to these men. They are servants of the Most High God, and they tell us the way to truth. And the Bible says that Paul got annoyed. Have you got to a place where you're annoyed with devils yet? <laughs> Paul got annoyed. You know, a lot of us are annoyed right now. And you're not just annoyed due to COVID. You're not just annoyed due to the fact that you ate something and you got gas. No, that's not gas. You're not just annoyed due to what's going on in your life. That's your spirit on the inside of you. Annoyed over all the times that you're missing Bible reading. I'm annoyed that your Bible has become a dust collector. I'm annoyed over the excuses that you keep making on why you won't form disciplined habits. I'm annoyed. And Paul couldn't stand it anymore, and he said, come out of her. And the reason I'm preaching so hard is because I want us to recognize God has called you to be free. So I'm lacking on the Paul tonight. Come out of them and release them. Abortion, you can't hold me, release me. Adultery, you can't hold me, release me. Doubt, you can't hold me, release me. Worry, you can't hold me, release me. Fear, you can't hold me, release me. God is calling you higher, but he has to get certain things off you. You know why she was following them? Because she was trying to attach herself to, to their ministry. If you're just looking, 
This lady's just walking, and Paul and Silas are just walking. And every single day, she's like, listen to them. Listen to them. Hey, y'all, listen to them. Hey, listen to them. It's almost like she's a hype man. And Paul's like, yo, I don't want them to think that you with me because you're known in this whole city for being a fortune teller. You're not going to do what pythons do, attach. Y'all missed it. You're not going to do what pythons do, attach. I have to make sure that people know, listen, this is not the spirit of God. And then her masters were upset. You know why? Because the spirit of pythons travel with love and money. They didn't care about her freedom. They just cared, are you going to make us a prophet? Isn't it funny there are a lot of prophets who are upset right now because they can no longer make profit off you? <laughs> You're saying, why is this man preaching so hard? I'm preaching so hard for two reasons. A, I firmly believe our God is that good. I believe our God is that awesome. I believe wholeness is for you. I believe deliverance is for you. I believe his might is for you. And there's something that God has cosmically created for you to do. And I want to expose you to a familiar spirit because the enemy has lied to us and he has us believing we have all the problems, but really is he never wants us to become his problem. A lot of us think it's just your traits. And I'm here letting you know it's not just your traits. It's a spirit. That's just A. And B, the reason I'm preaching so hard is because we're at war. And the enemy has been after us our whole life trying to make sure we never walk into that life. It started when you were seven years old and your uncle touched you inappropriate. That's when it started. It started in middle school when your friend introduced you to weed. That's when it started. It started when your girlfriend in high school introduced you to lesbianism. That's when it started. There has been a series of events that the enemy has been using to try to make you and I accept his schedule. But the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar, and I have a de declaration on tonight, and that is, I'm not yours, and it's not up for discussion. Y'all better come get me. I'm not yours, and it's not up for discussion. My body's not yours. No longer will I allow my body to be treated as less than sacred. My body is a temple, not a hotel where people can check in and check out of me whenever they want to. My body is a temple, not a doorknob. Everybody gets a turn. My body is a temple, and it was made to carry out the kingdom of heaven. It was made to house the Holy Ghost. It was made to be God's transportational system in the earth. I have a declaration on tonight in this Try Me series, and that is... I'm not yours and it's not up for discussion my mind is not yours no longer will I call Jesus the prince of peace but they need we to get peace <laughs> I still believe that in 2020 this could be the year of mental soundness this could be the year of mental regulation this could be the year of clarity I will war for mental stillness I have branded Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 on my mind as the meditation of my thoughts and that is focus on things above and not on things beneath I have a declaration on the night and that declaration is I'm not yours and it's not up for discussion I want you guys to consider when we came together we talked about these patterns, 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 portals, possession, right? And we discussed that, okay, we have to notice the pattern. Because if we notice the pattern, then we can see the track. And then noticing the track will show us the portal. What is the portal? The access. And then after we notice the access, then that goes to possession. What is that? The grip. And all of that started 
to the pattern. And then we said a reverse. If we change the patterns, that's going to mess up the enemy's grip. And if we mess up the enemy's grip, he no longer can possess our mind, possess our hearts. And if he no longer do that, he no longer has access, which means we have closed the porter, portal, closed the door, and now we have destroyed the track because we have changed the pattern. Right? Tonight, I want to introduce you to something different on how I believe the enemy operates. I believe it's by introductions normalization, participation, and captivation. I want you to see this image. Put this image on the screen. I want you guys to see this. I believe this is how the enemy operates. Introduction, normalization, participation, and captivation. So what the enemy wants to do is he wants to introduce you to something while you're young. This is why, please listen, all parents watching this, make sure you flood your children and introduce them to Jesus now. I don't care if they goo-goo and they gaga. Introduce them to him now. Because the enemy wants to introduce them at a young age. We can't keep on allowing the Romans to teach our children and then wonder why they come back sounding like Caesar. We have to teach them while they're young. So what he wants to do is he wants to introduce you. After I introduce you, then after that introduction, I want to normalize it. After I normalize it, I want you to participate in it. And after you participate in it, I want you to be captive with it. Okay? Okay, so look. He introduces you to a wrong version of sex at a young age. Your stepdaddy, your uncle, your aunt had you do some activity that was perverted when you were a little child. And so then what he does is he, he surrounds you with people who do the same thing that your aunt told you to do, that your uncle told you to do, so now you think this is normal. God, are y'all seeing this? I was introduced to it wrong. And the enemy then is going to surround me with people because he will always make sure that there comes a time in your life when weakness meets opportunity. He will always make sure that there's a time in your life when introduction meets opportunity. I'm going to surround you by people, and they're going to do the same thing that you were exposed to in your household. There was a household servant I had, and I want you to see that your peers are doing the same thing. See, this, this, this right here is how your inner critic is, is developed and activated. Because now you're surrounding yourself with all these people, and you have subscribed to their acceptance. You have, you have subscribed to their acceptance, and you like it because it's just normal. And after you do all of these things because it's normal, now you're participating in it. My friend did this. I could do this too. My boyfriend did this. I could do this too. And now here you are, 26 years old, 37 years old, 47 years old, held captive due to what you were introduced to at six. It started with the introduction, which, which is why it makes so much sense that Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be reintroduced to who you are. You must be reintroduced to who I called you to be because you had a bad introduction. There are marriages that right now are suffering because the wife got introduced to sex the wrong way. And now she thinks it's disgusting. Don't touch me. Because of what she was introduced to, she had a bad introduction and then culture made that normal. And then she began to participate in it. And now she's a captive by what happened. 
But I have encouragement for you on the night because I know somebody who came to set the captives free. Listen, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach to the gospel to the poor. He has set me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set, a, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now look how cold Jesus is. Then it said, then he closed the book. <laughs> he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and all the eyes of everyone on the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say this to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Could y'all mind how cold Jesus is? Just walk out, read the scripture. Yeah, this is talking about me. See, when I'm preaching right now, I'm giving you a word. When Jesus is preaching, he's giving you the word. <laughs> Introduction, normalization, participation, captivation and we talked about last week point number one the blood this is what's going to take to cleanse us the blood of Jesus and then we talked about fasting because fasting strengthens your know and whatever is raging when you fast is where that familiar spirit is and then we ended with trigger awareness I want to give you two points and I'm done to add on to that so this is like point number four point number four how do we break the grip safe house venting safe house venting familiar spirits their grip is weakened by love it's weakened by intimacy see the mouth is the ventilation system of the heart but the reason this is called safe house venting is because you got to make sure that you're venting to somewhere that's safe because the enemy would love to make sure that friend with the ear in one season becomes the enemy with the mouth in the next season. There's certain stuff that happened in your life. You're not going to get free from it till you talk about it. You're not going to get free. There was a household servant. And you're not going to get free from it till you discuss this. Venting. And some of us, the reason you're struggling right now and you're suffering right now is because for a decade you haven't vented. That's all depression is. I have nowhere to speak. I have nowhere safe to go. This is why prayer is so necessary for the Christian. Because prayer is a form of venting. Look at this. Mark chapter 9, verse 25. I want you to see this. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit. He said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. I want you to notice that when people are running to see what happened, Jesus hurried up and got it out. Because your deliverance is not my platform. I'm not trying to get popular off setting you free. I'm not trying to get popular off your issue. I want this to come out because it never should have gripped you in the first place. The second thing I want you to notice is that it was a deaf and mute spirit. This means this man wasn't able to talk. When you aren't able to talk, when you aren't able to vent, there's a level of bondage that you will always have because demons love to keep your mouth closed. They want to muzzle your mouth, muzzle your worship, muzzle your praise. I don't want you to talk because your mouth is a weapon because Death and life truly is in the power of the tongue. Why else would a demon make sure that you can't speak if there wasn't power in your words? Safe house venting. 
And this one kind of messed me up. We're going to end with point, last point. Repentance. Repentance. Exodus chapter 20. Look at this, guys. Verse 5. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the Father upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Y'all see that? Third and fourth generations. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Bible saying, there's something in your blood. Your ancestors hated me. They didn't follow my principles. They didn't follow my teaching. They didn't surrender their life to me. And there's something running through your blood that if you repent, if you repent from all of your sins, repent from everything that you thought was normal, and you unfollow what was normal, you unfollow the culture, and you follow me, my grace and my mercy, my power is more than sufficient, enough to get you to be free from whatever you've been struggling with. And I wanted you to see, and I wanted you to know, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's not you. It's a familiar spirit that has been over my bloodline. And the enemy has lied to you just like he lied to me. It's not that you have so many problems. It's that I don't want you to ever discover that you were born to create so many problems for me. So, God, we pray that you give us eyes to see. You give us hearts, oh, God, that are willing to vent whatever happened, whatever hard conversations we need to have, whatever discussions that we need to discuss, God, give us the boldness, give us the courage to do it, God, because we were not created to live life in captivity. We were not created to be slaves to anything. And we're praying that you remind us that we are the ones that's going to shift it. We're the ones that are going to break it because greater is he that lives within me than he that's in the world. Give us the courage Oh, God, to go to war with familiar spirits so we won't pass this town from generation to generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.